When you have a man come to you asking you for money, whether he's a beggar on the street or a minister in a pulpit or someone on radio as a minister, when he's asking you to give him money in order to do a work, which he says is of God, if you don't give and you have the means to give, you feel so guilty. We have men write emails to us frequently from other countries mainly asking us to give money to help them buy Bibles or asking us to send Bibles to them or asking us to send my books to them, which are published through Amazon. Amazon does not give me any books to give away. They do give away some books from Amazon, but you have to contact Amazon, not me. Often I find these men to not even be of God. God has always provided what I need when I need something. If God authors tells me to do something, in the ministry. That money is there to do the work. I don't have to coerce people to get money. I don't have to take Bible scriptures and imply threats against them in order to get money. Often it is implied that you must give that money in order to receive things from God. I've heard this several times from preachers from pulpits. I've heard them use the hundredfold return to coerce money from their congregations. But the hundredfold return promise doesn't have anything at all to do with giving money to a church. It has nothing at all to do with that subject. Mark Chapter 10, verse 30, start at verse 29. Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life has nothing to do with giving offerings at church. Robert Tilton at Word of Faith Church in the 1980s did this all the time. He used this hundredfold return all the time to get his congregation to give money to him. Finally, when huge scandals came forth by the way of ABC News exposés about Robert Tilton, one of the members of the congregation tried to sue him because he had given him thousands of dollars and had never received a hundredfold return. Not only does that damage the faith that man could have in God, but it is extortion on the part of Robert Tilton and other ministers who would do that, very often they will 
tell you things like, please pray that God will help me get a computer. They're not praying to God when they do that. They're praying to you. They are hoping you will send them a computer. We have had this happen multiple times from men who say they are pastors in other parts of the world, wanting us to send them something. One time we did send an old computer to one man, and he just showed himself to be more and more wicked. Next, he wanted us to send him a camera, and he out and out asked us to send him a camera. And I said to him, I cannot see that a camera has anything at all to do with the Word of God, presenting the Word of God. The only thing you might be using a camera for was to take pictures of children to try to coerce the church to give you money. And we did not send a camera. Not long after that, we got another statement from a minister, and he was a little more sly than the first minister. He began saying how much my books had helped him. And he first asked me to send him books for his church. And I wrote and told him by email that Amazon did not give me any books. We have to buy them. And he would have to contact Amazon to get books. I did tell him that Amazon gives away a certain number of ebooks per month of my ebooks, and he can get free ebooks from Amazon. Next, he asked me to pray that God would help him to get a computer and a projector. I have never used a projector in teaching the church. But he said that it was hard to teach his church group what I was teaching without a projector. And I wrote to him and I said, well, in Matthew chapter 11, we read that God's yoke is easy and his burden is light. So if something is hard to do, then don't do it. You're going the wrong way. So if it's hard for you to present my teachings to your church group without a projector, then just teach them the Bible. I reasoned that their churches would have Bibles, that he could just stand up and teach the Bible. Later, I realized Paul said he didn't build on another man's foundation. That's in Romans chapter 15, he did not build on another man's foundation. He wanted to speak that which he had received from God. I'm the same way. I rarely tell examples of other humans' teachings. I try to do the same thing, and that is speak what God has given me. But this man is trying to speak things that I'm teaching. Why doesn't he just learn what I'm teaching and then share the Bible with his congregation? That should be easy enough. What he's doing was flattering me, trying to flatter me, trying to con me into sending him a computer and a projector. Well, I turned to God and I said, I don't want to do this. 
I just don't like the way this man approached me, and I don't want to do it. God did not have me do it. Instead, God gave me a message for this man saying, I see you as a beggar, as a thief, as an extortioner. And if you continue to go this way, you will spend your entire life as a beggar and a thief and an extortioner. So I fully believed that was what God had said about this man. From time to time, devils would try to torment me after I did this. They would torment me with, well, you have all of these material things, and here this man doesn't have even enough to buy a computer. I would turn to God with these torments and say, I believe I did what you showed me to do. Recently, God gave me a very strong dream showing me this exactly was true, that this man is an extortioner in the church, that he will not work for a living in secular ways. I told him to go out and get a job and save the money and buy his own computer. But this man will not work. This man also said to me that he couldn't do that, get a job in a secular thing, because it took all of his time to work in the ministry. Well, he had already shown me he didn't have a ministry. He was just copying other people. He first announced himself as a pastor. Then he announced himself as an evangelist. And I said, well, which are you, a pastor or an evangelist? He never answered my question. He didn't know what he was. He was so unestablished, and yet he called himself a minister and was supposedly working in a church. And he implied that he had other pastors working under his authority. I just never could understand what he was doing. And I would ask him directly what he was doing, and he couldn't answer me. I find this often with Antichrist ministers. When you say, how did God tell you to do this? Usually they just stare at me blankly. Actually, I've never had anyone answer that question when I've asked it. Now, if, if you ask me, how did God show you to go on radio in 1980? I could tell you exactly how he showed me. I was asleep in the night a very loud trumpet-like voice spoke three words into my ear. Hartford, Seattle, KWJS. I jumped out of bed. It was so loud, it awoke me. And I wrote the words, the initials, KWJS, on a notepad because I felt they were call letters to radio or television, and I didn't want, want to get the letters mixed up. I prayed in private to God and said, are you showing me to go on radio when I found it was a radio station? And then I said, I wouldn't know how to do that. And the Holy Spirit spoke a word to me saying, call the radio station manager, which I did do that same day. 
And the radio, I said, God might be showing me to go on radio. How would you do that? And the radio station manager said, make an audition tape 29 and a half minutes long and send it to me. And if you fit our programming, we will offer you a contract. Within five days, I was exhorting the church on radio station KWJS. Now, did God tell me to go on radio? I think you would say yes. God gave me a dream showing me to start a blog. God gave the word podcast to Pam Paget, a member of the Body of Christ, and she told me about podcast. And I had two dreams about making podcast, showing me in the dreams that I had. I was shown starving kittens were at my front door. They were also in my garage. I said to God, what are these starving kittens? And I heard the church. And I knew I was supposed to do these podcasts. So a minister should be able to tell you things like that. When you ask a minister, how did God show you to do this? A minister should be able to answer that question. But I've never had a minister answer a question yet to me when I've said, how did God show you to do what you're doing? When they ask me for money for their works. These are extortioners, and they Peter says they'll make merchandise out of you. That's their goal. And that is in Second Peter chapter 2. And when they try to get us to give to them, we feel guilty if we don't give, and so often we, I suppose, people do give. I try to use discipline of myself. I've even talked to God a lot about this subject, and I've said, I don't want to give to the beggars unless the Holy Spirit leads me to give. Very often when you'll see men out on the street with a sign saying, give me a dollar for a ga- some gasoline or something like that. It used to be a dollar, and now I suppose it's more. When you see men, able-bodied men, holding up signs like that, I remember the scripture where Paul said, if a man will not work, neither shall he eat. I always think of the Salvation Army about this, when they're begging for money to feed these able-bodied men. Paul says, if a man will not work, neither shall he eat. I do not contribute to the feeding of able-bodied men. That scripture is in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. Paul said in that section of scripture that he'd heard that some men, some of the men wouldn't work. And he said then, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. I really think it's wrong to give money in many instances and that you have to be very careful 
before you give money to be sure that that's what God wants you to do. And I would not give money to an able-bodied man. And I've never really seen anything but able-bodied men when they're standing out there on the sides of the streets as I drive by begging for money. If any would not work, neither should he eat. And they may say, out of work, hungry. In the United States, at least, I don't believe a person could go hungry like that. They will get in lines at food banks and get food from the government. Also, they can mow lawns or wash windows or do some kind of work. These men do not want to work, these able-bodied men. And you see that in the ministry all the time. Well, I was reminded of this. The Apostle Paul worked at a secular job. He was a tent maker. And then he preached the gospel in his spare time. So, Paul certainly was an example for us to go by concerning getting a secular job to support yourself. These men in the ministry are often beggars, thieves, and extortioners. We have seen it multiple times. I saw it at the churches I attended when the pastor would take up money for offerings, twisting the scriptures and trying to wring the money out of the congregation. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, But now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner, with such a one know not to eat. And then in verse 13, Paul says, Therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. And that is exactly what I do when I see these things. I just put those men away from me, knowing they are wicked when they commit these sins of fornication, covetousness, idolatry, railer, drunkard, or extortioner. This last man who asked me to send him a computer, and he wanted me to send him a projector, I wrote to him and I just said, please know that I do not read your emails now, and I will not read your emails now. Since that time, he has not tried to write to me. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus, in speaking about prayer, told us the following. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. I lived in Clovis, New Mexico, and the people across the street from me 
uh, had homeschooling. I was horrified one day when I looked out the window of my house and saw all of these teenagers and a, a few adults standing in a circle in the front yard of their house with their heads bowed. I was just horrified when I saw that. They did it to be seen of men. Otherwise, why didn't they go in the backyard? They did it so humans would think they were godly. They were religious. I see it all the time when I watch television and see football games. Frequently, you will see athletes fall down on their knees and put their and bow their head praying. They're praying to men, not to God. Otherwise, they can do it silently without any outward sign. I often pray to God when I'm with people, but I don't bow my head and close my eyes and fall down on my knees. I just quietly, inwardly pray, God help me. See, that's real religion. But when you see them doing outward signs of prayer, usually they cross themselves, which they shouldn't do that either. I was uh, amazed on television news when I saw the current president-elect of the United States trying to cross himself. It was obviously, it was obvious that he didn't usually do this, but he he was he did it hesitantly, not really knowing how to do it. Well, not only did he not know how to do it, he he had no idea what he was doing, because the crossing yourself is taught by the Catholic Church, but it's not taught in the Bible for us to do that. I wouldn't even think of doing that. I was absolutely horrified when I saw a football player from Baylor University crossing himself. I. I just thought, how can he do that and have gone to Baylor University, which is Baptist? I just couldn't believe I was seeing this level of evil and corruption. Back to Matthew chapter 6, Jesus concerning prayer. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret. And thy father, which is seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. And that's what we should do. Pray in secret. Pray in private. Expecting your reward to come from God. But if you're going to go out there and in public pray, often you're praying to human beings. One time there was a neighbor of mine that invited me to Thanksgiving dinner. And she said, will you pray over the deal, dinner? And I said, no. No, I try to be as non-hypocritical as possible in the sight of God. So she got her friend, who's a Methodist woman, to pray. And I didn't bow my head and close my eyes. Well, I don't do that anyway. I didn't bow my head and close my eyes. I just watched them, and I thought, man, this prayer's not going past the roof of this house. It's a prayer to people. She was praying to the people at the table, and it was obvious to me she was. I have seen prayer like used like this so many times. Well, when you pray, enter your closet, and when thou hast shut the door, 
pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. I am sad to say this, but my favorite aunt, oh, she was a great cook, and she would in, we would go to her house for meals. And her husband, who was not even a Christian at that time, she would say, Poppy, now will you pray? And he would just glare at her. But he would, he would mumble some words, supposedly a prayer to God. Later, I know he was born again. But even if he'd been born again, I, I just really cringed every time my aunt said this. And yet I know my aunt was of God. But you can be of God and sometimes do things in the sight of men. And I know they did not pray over every meal or over every bit of food they put in their mouth. This has always bothered me. When you are going to pray over a dinner, and yet you'll go along and eat an apple or a bar of candy or you'll you'll stop and have a hamburger and you don't pray over that. That just seems so hypocritical to me. I never could see doing that. There, It just seems like prayer is so misused. In fact, I'm sure it's misused. Back to Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, but when ye pray, use not vain repetitions, as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Though I've never heard that rosary thing that those, that those Catholics do, I know they do all these vain repetitions, and I believe I've heard they go from some kind of bead to another bead to keep track of the number of times that they have said this vain repetition. All of this is nonsense. It's awful. It's abominable. I think it can cause other people to hate God. And I know it is evil. And Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Glory be to your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And that's how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. In Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul tells us, verse 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, not unto man, unto God. In private, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I have lived in the same house with Pam Padgett, a member of the body of Christ, for the past year and a half. Never once have we ever prayed 
together. Not once. When I'm troubled, I pray in secret. When Pam's troubled, she prays. Oftentimes, later, we'll find out what each other has prayed because one of us will mention, well, I turn to God with this. And the other one will say, well, I did too. But it was separately. We weren't praying to each other. We weren't praying for show. We were praying to God because we were troubled. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. What do you want God to do for you? But you have to pray to God and not to man because if your eyes are on that human thinking he might do it for you and this is a way to communicate to the human what you want, then you are in serious trouble with God. There is a great deal of evil done in the name of religion and in trying to do religious things. I hate the hypocrisy that I see people do in the name of God. And I don't want to do that. And I hope you will give serious consideration to what you are doing. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.